Thank you, Ganyes. We are grateful for that uh, song there. This morning, uh, it is Time Change Sunday, and it is difficult. There's a little bit of a ring in this. Uh, it is uh, sometimes Time Change Sunday can be a difficult Sunday. Uh, we miss that extra hour of sleep, but this morning, I hope that, uh, that you uh, can stay with me. Uh, this week has been a fantastic week in the life of our, of our teens, and we've been asking you to pray for uh, our teens and the Walk It Out weekend that we had, and uh, God's just done some great things uh, in, our, in the life of our teens. Um, but times, uh, there are times that are, that are difficult. Um, this week, uh, we would ask you that uh, you would pray for the Foreman family in our church. Um, their son uh, passed away this week, and uh, so we are lifting them up in prayer and asking God to bless them and to bring peace to them. Uh, there are times in our life that things are difficult, but there's times that uh, things are exciting, things that are, things that are happening, God's working and doing things. And uh, in the life of our teenagers, God's been doing something. And uh, we ended last night at 8 o'clock uh, with uh, our Walk It Out weekend, and God has worked in the life of our students. And uh, so this morning, as we look at Time Change Sunday, and we look at uh, losing an hour of sleep, and we look at uh, the, the problems of life, this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to lift up uh, Jesus Christ this morning, and I want to challenge us in a couple of areas that hopefully uh, we will walk away from this place and we will see that God is a good God. God is a help in the time of need, and some of it has to do with how we look at things. You know, if we're honest, you ever, you ever have a day that you go, man, that was an awesome day. I know some of you, you may, you may uh, look forward to every Sunday. If you don't come early enough, I don't know how often he runs out of these or if he runs out of these on Sundays, but if you walk into uh, church, into the front doors on Sunday morning, if he still has them in his pocket, he gives you a piece of chocolate. And for some of you, that may be one of those things that you look at and go, man, this is, this is a good day. I get a piece of chocolate when I come to church. Maybe that's not how you determine your good day. Maybe it's when you go stand in line. This, this uh, last week, I went to Chick-fil-A, and uh, I love Chick-fil-A, and I went and stood in line, and uh, I have a, the app on my phone, and I had a free sweet tea. And I went, and I went to scan my app, and the lady looked at me, and she goes, I'm sorry, that didn't scan. I'm like, what? And I didn't have any money. I'm like, I, so I scanned it again. She's like, well, let's, let's try that one more time. So I scanned it again, and she said, that didn't work. I'm like, you know, and then, then you're kind of caught as to, now what do I do? Uh, she goes, you know what? She said, I'll just give it to you. I'm like, this is going to be a good day. I just got a free sweet tea from Chick-fil-A. That same week, last week, I am notorious for always picking the wrong line. So if you are with me and we're going to get in line for something, whether it's a toll booth or the cash register, it, doesn't, it does not matter. The gas pump, it does not matter. Always tell me, do not pick. Let me pick for you. I picked the line, and you know what? That line was actually moving faster than any other line in the store. And I was like, this is going to be a good day. My birthday was Wednesday. And uh, one of the things that uh, months ago, months ago, I mentioned that uh, I love Cinnabon. And uh, one of the ladies in our church 
she knew that I liked Cinnabon and she knew my birthday was coming. And so she went and she found some place that sells Cinnabon. And she said, I bought everything that they had. And she brought this bag of Cinnabons and set them on my desk. And she just said, happy birthday. I said, this is going to be a good day. You know, there are times in life that we look at things and we have things happen that are very small and very seemingly insignificant, but we look at those and we say, this, as a result of this, is going to be a good day. But I want to challenge you. Some of you got up this morning and you said, or you went to bed last night and you said, it's time change Sunday. Tomorrow is going to be a miserable day. It doesn't have to be a miserable day because of time change Sunday. It can be a great day because of time change Sunday because I want to challenge you with this thought. And I wrote it down because I wanted to remember it. Our best days are not when good things happen. Our best days are when God things happen. Let me say that again. Our best days are not when good things happen. Our best days are when God things happen. You know, in your life, you can go through life and you can get excited about a free sweet tea or you can get excited about a line that moves quickly or you can get excited about a, a Cinnabon or you can get excited about all the little things in life or you can get excited when God begins to move. And you know, when God begins to move, that's when you can look at life and go, you know what? This is going to be a great day because God is at work. And I want you to turn to your Bibles because God says that there was a day in Scripture that was like no other day. No other day like it. In Joshua chapter number 10, I want you to look. And we're going to go through Joshua 10. And I am just, I am so excited because this passage of Scripture just exudes. It is oozing with truth that we can take and we can apply to our lives this morning. And we can say if God is working, then it is going to be a good day. In Joshua chapter 10, I want you to look at verse number 14, because this is where we're going to jump off into this passage. Joshua chapter 10, verse number 14, and it says, And there was no day like that day before it or after. There was no day like that day before it or after. There has never been a day like this day. So this has got to be a great day. I mean, think about all of the days that are in Scripture. The day God said, let there be light. And there was light. But there was no day like this day in Joshua chapter 10. There was no day like this day. Now I want you to start with me in, in uh, chapter 10. We're going to go back up to the beginning of the chapter in verse number 1. And we're going to read down through some verses. And it says, now it came to pass when Adonisaac king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and her king, so he had done to Ai and her king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. So to catch you up with where we are in the story here, in Joshua, they had gone into the promised land, they had defeated Jericho, they had gone against Ai, they had lost against Ai, and then they defeated Ai, and then the Gibeonites came and pretended that they were from a far country and they made a peace treaty with Israel. The Gibeonites went home and Joshua and the children of Israel began to fight the battles to defeat the people that lived in the land of Canaan. And in this day, 
five kings are going to come together against Gibeon. And Gibeon is now going to hold that treaty that they made with Israel. And they're going to say to Joshua, hey, Joshua, come fight with us. Look at verse number six. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up unto us quickly and save us and help us. Don't you love it when people draw you into their battles? I mean, don't we have enough problems ourselves that we don't need the problems of somebody else? But those people that are around us, sometimes they need us to lock arms with them and they need us to walk into their battles with them. And Joshua, in this instance, he says, all right, we made a promise with you. We're going to walk into battle with you. And they locked arms. And notice what it says here in verse number seven. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. Ascended is going up. It wasn't enough that they had to go into a battle that was not theirs. They had to climb up into the city of Gibeon to fight this battle. So it wasn't just on level ground. It was they had to walk all night long. They had to march all night long up into the battle that they were facing. And I want you to see in verse number eight, this is number one uh, that we have this morning. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thy hand. It's going to be a great day when we quit fearing our enemies. It's going to be a great day when we quit fearing our enemies. You know, we all have enemies. Sometimes they're people. Sometimes there's things in our life that are battling against us. Fear can be an enemy. Problems can be an enemy difficulties that we come in, in contact with, they can be an enemy. These enemies, they come, but I want you to see that God said to Joshua, fear them not. Look over at verse number 19. And stay ye not, but pursue after your enemies and smite the hindermost of them. When we realize that God has given us victory, we not only can fight them, we can pursue them. And you know the difference between fighting something and pursuing something? When you realize and you have the understanding and you have the belief that God is with you and we can overcome this. No longer do I have to be on the defensive and defend myself. Now I can be on the offensive and I can go after this guy. I can go after this problem. When you have somebody that you know that is going to defend you, that's going to be with you, that's go that is bigger than you, and you realize that that person is going to be on your side, you're willing to stand up to anything. You're willing to fight anything when you know that you have somebody that can be there with you. And Joshua knew that God was going to be with them. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, if God is with you, you don't have to live in fear this morning. If God is with you, you don't have to worry about the problems and difficulties that are overwhelming you this morning because those problems and difficulties are little compared to God. And God is willing to be there with us. In verse number 11, the story begins to get good because now we know that Gibeon is coming into a battle and Joshua is coming to fight with Gibeon. And God said, Joshua, I've got this. You just have to learn to trust me. And so Joshua begins to go into this battle knowing that God is with him. 
But I want you to see this. This is where I kind of get a little nerdy when it comes to the Bible. I see these things, and in my mind, I just began to process and try to work through and look at this thing. So look at, at verse number 11 with me. Well, let's go back up to verse number 9. I'm sorry. Joshua, therefore, came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. So all night he's climbing into this battle. And the Lord discomforted them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon and smote them to Ezekah unto Makeda. Who's doing the fighting here? God is doing the fighting. They're not fighting. The children of Israel are beginning to walk up there. They're climbing to this, and God begins to do a work. You know, in the battle that you're facing this morning, God has already begun to work in that battle for you. If you've given that to God, God is already working. If there's a fear in your life, if there's a problem in your life, if there's a difficulty in your life, God has already begun to work in that, and he is discomforting those enemies that we're facing. And I want you to see in verse number 11 what God did. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in the going down to Beth Horon that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon the, uh, unto Ezekiah, and they died. And they were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of the Lord slew with the sword. So this enemy that the children of Israel were fighting, God began to fight for them. Don't you know the difference in your life when you are fighting a battle and when God is fighting that battle for you? Can't you sense that difference when God begins to work in your life and you step back and you say, God, I cannot do this. I can't face this anymore. God, I need you to step in and I'm going to step back and I need you because I can't. And God steps in and he begins to work. And in this, my mind just began to wonder. And I had in my mind this, uh, this idea as a kid hearing the story of what happened. God began to step in and God began to work for the children of Israel where they did not have to work. They allowed God to. In verse number 12, It is going to be a good day. It's going to be a great day when we begin to pray audacious prayers. When we begin to pray audacious prayers. Can I ask you this morning how your prayer life is? Is your prayer life simply a prayer life where you go to God before meals and say, God, thank you for this food? Is your prayer life a prayer life that when you get into difficulty, you then go to God and say, God, would you please step in? Or is your prayer life one that you are drawing close to the throne of God on a daily basis and you are drawing close to him and you are asking God for wisdom and guidance and help and support and grace and blessing and him to work in your life? Is your prayer life one where you can stand before God and you can ask God and you can beg God, God, would you work? Because when you stand in that place, that is the place at which God will begin to work and move. And you can move into the point where you begin to ask God for big things, amazing things that you don't even realize that you're asking. Look at verse number 11 and what Joshua asked God. He didn't even think about it. 
He didn't, he didn't go to the men around him and say, should we? He simply went to God and he said in verse number 11, then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, son, stand thou still upon Gibeon and thou moon in the valley of Avijon. Joshua asked God for more time. How many of you have ever asked God to extend the day? Lord, if you would simply just make this day a little bit longer. I think many of us have said, God, would you get this day over with? I am tired of this day. Could you just, we ask God for shortcuts. Lord, I cannot figure this out. Would you help me? And Joshua says to God, God, would you extend this day? Would you make this day a little bit longer until we defeat the enemy that you have promised us victory? He simply, boldly came to the throne of God and said, God, I need more time. Would you stop the sun? I don't think that has ever crossed my mind. Like, God, we are having a great time today. Like our family, this is just one of those days that is just, we are enjoying so much. God, would you just stop the sun and let us enjoy this day a little bit longer? No, because the, if we pray that prayer, it is always a selfish prayer. Joshua did not pray this prayer for himself to use on himself. God prayed this prayer to defeat the enemies that God wanted them to defeat. If we had that power, like if we truly believe that God would answer our prayer, last night I would have said, God, it is raining and there are puddles all over the ground. Could you just make a dry path for me to get to my car? We would go to the grocery store and say, God, I know I'm going to ask something really big, but I would like the first parking spot. God, I know that you are a great God and you are willing to answer prayers. God, I am asking that you have everything that I need on my shopping list on sale this week. Everything that we would ask, if we knew that God would do that, it would be a selfish prayer. But are there other examples where God answered prayers that were audacious prayers? Turn over in your Bible to 2 Kings chapter number 18. 2 Kings chapter 18. Elijah was told to go to Ahab. They were in a three-year drought. And Elijah is told to go to Ahab and say to Ahab that God is going to end the drought because of prayer. Nowhere, as I've read this passage over and over and over again, nowhere does God say to Elijah, here is what I want you to do. I want you to pray an audacious prayer in front of everybody. This may have been his and God's plan. This may have been Elijah saying, God, I just believe that you can do great things. I just believe that you are the God and I believe that you want to show yourself real to the people of Israel and let them know that you are the one true God. In verse number 36 of 1 Kings chapter number, I said 2 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter number 18. In verse 36, 
It says that it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this, pro that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Verse 38, then fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. Elijah had gone to 450 prophets of Baal and he said to them, why don't you pray first? Why don't you put your sacrifice out there? Why don't you see if your God will answer? And the God who sends fire from heaven, I don't see in scripture that God ever sent fire from heaven other than this time. When fire comes from heaven, that God is the God that we will worship. And they sacrificed and they cut themselves and they yelled out and for hours, nothing happened. And Elijah simply rebuilt the altar and said, God, would you prove yourself? Not to me, God. I know you're real, but to the people that they may know that you are the one true God. And fire came and burned up the sacrifice and burned up the altar and burned up the water and burned all of the things around it. And the people knew that God was God. Would you pray audacious prayers this morning? You say, yeah, those are, those are neat Bible stories, but is there an example of somebody who's prayed an audacious prayer today? You may have heard of this man. His name is Billy Graham. In 1997, he was hosting a revival, a evangelist crusade, and he had a, he had a, um, a, a stadium that was filled with thousands of people. As they were gathering, rain began to fall, and it was a cold day, rain falling, and Billy Graham got up, and he stood behind the pulpit, and he said, could I have silence, please? He said, God, would you stop the rain? Instantly, a hole opened up above that stadium, and rain stopped. It was not for Billy Graham's benefit. It was so that the gospel could go forth. How would we be better if we would pray audacious prayers for God? How would our lives, how would our families? And you see the children of Israel, Joshua, he was able to pray this prayer because he had no experience with what God could do. He was open to anything that God could do. You see, for 40 years, they wandered through the desert. At the beginning of that 40 years, God introduced himself to the children of Israel again. At the beginning of those 40 years, God began to show the children of Israel what he could do. And they saw the Red Sea parted. And they saw the Jordan River parted. And they saw the walls of Jericho fall down. And they saw the manna come out every day. And they saw the quail fall from heaven. And they saw God defeat the enemies. And they believed that God would answer prayer. This morning, do you believe that God would answer prayer? 
This morning, do you believe that you can step out and you can ask God for something audacious, not for you, but for the church, for the people of God, for your, for your neighbors, for your country, for your city? Do you believe that you can pray audacious prayers and God will come through? Or do we sit back and we say, you know what? I don't think God's going to do that. But we'll pray anyway. You know, I don't think God's going to actually heal that person, but I know that we have to, as Christians, we have to pray. So we'll step back and we'll pray. But what if we truly believed that God, if we did not see and did not experience the things around us, and we said, well, we've prayed before and God did not heal, if we truly believe that God would heal, and we truly believe that if we went before God and said, God, would you heal this person? God, would you help this person? God, would you provide strength? God, would you meet that need? God, would you provide that for that situation? God, would you? And it was for their benefit. What would happen if we truly believed that God would answer prayer? Pastor stood up here and he said, I believe that our church should plant churches. Do we sit back and we say, you know what? That's a neat idea, Pastor. I hope that works out. God, why don't you provide for us a building today? God, would you have somebody call a church that's getting ready to shut down, call us and go, you know what? We just want you to have our building if you could use it to build a church here. That's a cool story. I don't think it's going to happen. That's the problem. Joshua did not question whether God would stop that day. He simply said, God, would you have the sun to stand still? Elijah said, God, would you make fire fall? Billy Graham stepped back and he said, God, would you open up a window over this stadium so that the gospel could be proclaimed? And it happened. It is a good day when we begin to believe and begin to pray audacious prayers. In verse number 13, and the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people have avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that day before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Man, it's good when God fights for you. It's exciting when God fights for you. And you, it is awesome. And our problem is we don't want to become uncomfortable. We don't want to get to the point where we look at it and we go, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. God, I do not know what's going to happen. I don't, this is an enemy that I do not want to face. This is a problem that I do not want to confront. And God, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. But God, all I know is that I need you. Would you do something in my life? Would you work in this situation? Would you bring the help and the needs that I have? God, I can't, but I know that you can. If we would just truly believe God, that he would fight for us. And Joshua, verse number 15, returned and all Israel with him under the camp of, to Gilgal. But these five kings fled and hid themselves in a cave at Makeda. And it was told Joshua, saying, The five kings are found hid in the cave at Makeda. And Joshua said, Roll great stones upon the mouth of the cave and set men by it for to keep them. And, they, and, and stay ye not, but pursue after your enemies and smite the hindermost of them. Suffer them not to enter into their cities, for the Lord your God hath delivered them into your hands. 
Verse number 20, and it came to pass when Joshua and the children of Israel had made the end of slaying them with a very great slaughter till they were consumed that the rest which, uh, which remained of them entered into fenced cities and all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Makeda in peace. And notice this in verse number 21, and none moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. It is a good day when there is only praise and no criticism. It is a good day when there is only praise and no criticism. How easy it is for us to criticize. The Bible talks about our tongue and how small of a thing it is, but how great it can move. Wouldn't it be a good day if you could go through the day without anybody criticizing you? Maybe it'd be a better day if you could go through the day without criticizing anybody. What if it was a day where there was no criticism, but only praise? And you say, how can that be? Look at Psalm chapter 107. I want you to see this. Psalm chapter 107. You say, but how can I go through the day? I always see these things and I, it's my job to be critical. Well, maybe you have to critique things, but you don't have to be critical. In Psalm chapter 107, I want you to see this. There's, there's five verses that I want you to look at. And you know how you ever have a, a, a time with your kids before the, when they were just to that age where you could leave them at home? Maybe some of you are hoping and waiting for that day when you could just leave your kids at home and go out. But you remember those days when you would leave your kids at home and you knew that you had to drill some things in their head. When I get home, the dishes must be done. If you say it once, they don't believe it. I don't know why it is that you have to say it multiple times for them to understand, but you have to say it multiple times. And so you would say, when we get home, the dishes have to be done. Say that back to me. When we get home, the dishes have to be right, done. Okay. A few minutes later, you're talking about dinner and you say, when we get home, the dishes have to be done. What are you supposed to do? The dishes. Right. And multiple times you say it to them because you want them to remember it. Look at Psalm chapter 107. I think that God repeats himself because he is trying to drive into our heads this thought. Psalm chapter 107, and look at verse number eight. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Can you praise God for something he's done in your life today? Can you say, God, you are a good God. You have provided. You are an awesome God. The things that have gone on in my life today, the things, the way that you have brought blessing and peace and grace into my life, only God, only you could do that. But God does not just tell us to do that once. Look at verse number 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. That looks exactly like verse number eight. And if twice isn't good enough, look at verse number 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And if three times isn't good enough, look at verse number 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Do you think God is trying to get something through to us? 
Do you think God is trying to get us to understand that our job is to praise him? If you came in, if you look forward to every Sunday and you made a list all week long of the good things that God did for you and you came in on Sunday and you said, you know what? I cannot wait to tell this to people. I can't wait to see Mike standing at the door because you know I'm going to tell Mike? God did this and God did this and God provided this and God made a way when I didn't think there was a way and God provided when I thought he would never provide and God was amazing in this way and God kept me from and God provided and we can see things that God did. The problem is that sometimes we get into the battles of life and we forget how good God is. Praise takes practice. You ever have to teach your kids to criticize their brother or sister? All right, now, son, you are six. We're going to give you the first lesson on how to critique your sister. No, you don't have to do that. Why? Because it just comes natural. Did your boss at work have to give you a lesson? Now, we are going to have Criticism 101 on Thursday at 9 a.m. We want to make sure that you know how to criticize all of your coworkers. No. Why? Because we're really good at that. Like, if you're honest, I'll be honest, I'm really good at cr criticizing people. It, I am so good at it that I don't even know I'm doing it. Like, that is how good I am. Like, I can, I can criticize something my wife does and not even think about it. It was like, wow. That was impressive. Those words that just spewed out of your mouth at, at your wife. That was amazing. You're way to go, Chris. No. You know what takes work? Praising people. You know what takes effort? Telling somebody how good of a job they're doing. You know what takes work? Finding things in your spouse that you've lived with. I was talking with somebody this morning, 50 years of marriage coming up 50 years. Could you imagine praising your spouse for 50 years? Man, good job. How many times do you have to think of new things? Like, how do you come up with that stuff? Like, I mean, things seem to get routine after a while. We've only been married 23 years and things are kind of routine. And I'm like, okay, what do I, uh, good job on the dishes today, honey. Uh, I don't even know what to say sometimes. Why? Because praise is difficult. But when you start looking around at all of the good things that God has done, how awesome it is. How easy it is to begin to look and see that God is a good God and God can bless us. Turn back to Joshua chapter number 10. I want to get to this last thing here. It is a good day when we quit fearing our enemies. It is a good day when we begin to pray audacious prayers. It is a good day when we have praise and no criticism. And lastly, it is a good day when we dethrone the kings who tried to defeat us. Look at verse number 22. Then said Joshua, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings. Remember a few verses ago, the five kings were hidden in a cave. They rolled rocks in front of the entrance of the cave. And Joshua said, leave them there, pursue the enemy. They went away. Joshua, now the, the battle is over. Joshua said, hey, remember those five kings that were hidden away? We're going to get those guys. It's amazing how things get hidden away in our life. We take a hurt. We take a problem. 
and we tuck it away and we go, you know what, I'm just going to hide it here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to recognize it. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just going to hide it because if I'm not looking at it, if I don't see it, then it's not going to bother me. And it is amazing. You've, you've walked on a gravel road before and you, as you're walking along, all of a sudden that little stone goes in your heel. Like it's, it's behind there and you kind of like move your foot and you're like, oh, that's comfortable. It's not going to bother me. I don't want to stop right now and take my shoe off and get that stone out. And as you walk along, what happens? That stone moves and becomes more uncomfortable and more uncomfortable and somehow it shifts all the way to your toes and now it's under your big toe and every time you step down, the pressure of that little tiny stone reminds you of that thing that's hidden away. And we have things in our life that we take and we just hide we put away so nobody sees it. We put them in there so that if I, can, if I just pretend that it doesn't exist, then I'm okay. And God says it's time for us to take those things out, put them in the open. It's time to roll back the stones that are in front of that cave and bring these kings out. And notice in verse number uh, 24, at the very, towards the bottom of that verse, it says, come near, put your feet upon the necks of these kings. Joshua took these kings out, the kings that were there to defeat the children of Israel, the kings that, the, that they had hidden away. God said, it's time to bring those things out, time to bring those kings out. He said, King, he forced the kings on the ground and he said to the men, come here, men. He said, put your foot on the neck of that king. I remember as a kid, we were at a rally and there was a man that was a teacher in our school. He was a sergeant detective in the Michigan State Police. I never, I always feared him but I never really knew what that meant. Like a sergeant detective, I don't know what that means. I, I mean, it's a rank, um, but this guy, he could look at you and kill you. Like he was one of those that, like he had more strength in his little finger than I had my entire body. Like, I don't know how he did it, but just one move with his finger and I'm on the ground. We had at this rally, all of our school was there and there was a guy that was yelling off to the side, like yelling at us at the rally. And I watched this guy that was a, he was a teacher in our school, former sergeant detective in the Michigan State Police. He moved very quickly. Like I'd never seen this guy, he was retired. I've never seen him move that fast. He moved very quickly across the crowd. And that fast, he had the guy on the ground. There was another man in our school, uh, one of the teachers who was there with us. And he was there because this guy was, I mean, it wasn't just like he was saying things. He was being very, I mean, he was, he was doing illegal activity and, and this former police officer was going to detain him until the police came. There was another man in our church or in our school who was there and got involved in it. And he said, my hand was between that guy's knee and the guy that was on the ground's neck. He said, I thought he broke my hand. You want to defeat your enemy? Stand on his neck. It's not enough to say to, my, to your enemy, enemy, I don't want to deal with you anymore. Because that enemy will keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. It is time for us to drag them out, put them on the ground and stand on their neck and say, you don't have power over me anymore. Whatever that thing is that you're dealing with, whatever that problem is, that king that you've kept hidden, whatever that thing is, it's time to drag it out, put it on the ground, step on it and say, King, you have no power over me anymore. I don't have to listen to you because God is fighting for me. 
I don't have to deal with you anymore. God is dealing with you. In verse 25, And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Get rid of fear. That king is not powerful anymore. Get rid of fear. Be strong and of good courage, for all thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies. That enemy that you're standing on the neck of right now, that one that's been bothering you, that one that you've kept hidden, that one that you haven't re you've refused to deal with, that king you're going to defeat and God's going to give you power, but God will help you defeat all your enemies. It is a good day when God begins to work in our hearts and in our lives. In 316 BC, there was a group of soldiers called the Lightning League. Licinius was the emperor of the Roman Empire, and Licinius was out to get rid of all Christianity throughout the empire. And in this Lightning League, he found 40 men that refused to lay down their sword and lay down their Christianity. So he did many things to these men. He beat them. He put them in jail. He did all sorts of things to them. And finally, he did not want them to die. He wanted them to give up their Christianity. And finally, as a last move, he said, I know what will get them. They were in a northern country, and where they were, there was a lake that had frozen over. And he said, I'm going to send these 40 men out on that lake and let them freeze to death until they decide to give up their Christianity. These 40 men willingly disrobed, went out on that lake, and began to sing praises to God. To entice them to give up, he put warm baths around the lake and, and light beside them so that any man that wanted to give up could get warm very quickly. Hours passed by and one soldier crawled to the bank of the river, the bank, bank of the, of the uh, lake, got in the hot bath and immediately went into cardiac arrest because of the temperature change. There was one soldier that was standing by that was watching all of this and just could not understand why these men would do that. With great conviction, this soldier disrobed and walked out on that lake and he said, so that there will be 40 men on this lake, I commit my life to Jesus Christ. All 40 men died. They froze to death. The 40 martyrs of Sebast. They had a God that did God things in their life, not just good things. This morning I ask you, is it a good day just because of good things that happen? Or is it a good day because of God things that happen? Do you need to pray audacious prayers this morning? Do you need God to work? Is there an enemy that you've had hidden that you need God to do something? Is there an enemy that you need to put your foot on the neck of and say, no more, I'm done? This morning, what does God want you to do? Let's pray.